Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. He's gotta keep living, man. L.I.V. Yeah! This part, no fun! Get away from her, you bitch! Welcome to the show. Take a seat, grab your popcorn. Welcome to the Nerd Trek Movie Club, everyone. I'm Jeff. Uh, thanks for joining us again. And back with us is the, uh, what can I say? The mistress of cinema, the <laughs> uh, no, siren of cinema. Let's go with that. I love uh, it. <laughs> Stephanie Ed, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, I, I'm, oh, and this is your third time? Third time back. I yes. think so, yes. Yes, yes. we did Columbo and then Sun, uh, Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And then today we're doing Lion in Winter. Indeed we are. This is such, so I, I had never seen this movie before. I, I, I remember seeing it, like, I always remember the, the cover of it from when I worked at a video store. Like, I would walk past and I remember seeing uh, the cover. Um. Dear God, thank you for recommending this. And this is like the this is like the greatest uh, Christmas movie ever. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. It really is. It's it a, is. It's such a classic. It's such an intense experience. And I think it's a really nice kind of like holiday palate cleanser. Like, um, you know, I feel like when we come into the Christmas Christmas season and Christmas movies are very, very saccharine. You know, mm-hmm. and that's nice. Put you in the Christmas spirit. The whole idea of this holiday around the winter is about unity and coming together with your loved ones and being warm and feasting and and having solidarity in the face of old man winter and, you know, overcoming brutal odds and waiting for the sun to come back. And so we've got all of these themes that drive us to these really happy elements. But I think this movie is like a really great uh a palate cleanser from that because it kind of makes you look at the hardship you know it's sort of like a lot of like these movies it's like the hardships like it's wonderful life for instance has like this really dark element but it's also just like really sweet and everyone is likable there's like one unlikable guy but in this movie it's everyone is terrible and it's like what is more christmas than a toxic family (laughs) scenario Yep. Right. And so I feel like this is very much that all of these horrible people are coming together and the excuse is Christmas. <laughs> and, and then it's just a catastrophe and uh, there's a knife fight. So, yeah. Wow. Now, I was thinking the exact same thing. This is like the epitome of I don't want to spend time with my family because shit's going to go wrong. There's like the crazy drunk uncle or, you know, there's, there's drama that's going to get brought up and this is everything. This is like, everyone is scheming. Um, I, uh, I don't even know where to start with this. So it's like, it's Peter O'Toole, Catherine Hepburn. Uh, I mean, a young, um, Anthony Hopkins, young Timothy Dalton. This is like some of their first movies. Yes. Um, and the, the cast in this is just stacked. And, 
yeah, just watching this, I'm like, God, you don't want you're you're not you're kind of rooting for everyone, but but then like no one. Yeah, exactly. That's such like a that is a wonderful trick where you are kind of like rooting it for everybody in part because the actors are so good. Yes. And and the dialogue is so sharp and brutal, you know, not now, darling, you know, mother's fighting, you know, (laughs) there'll be pork in the treetops come morning. Like, you know, there, there are just so many great, incredible lines. I mean, they're mostly Catherine Hepburn's. Um, But I think the reason that we do have this kind of odd sense of sympathy is because at their core, all of these deeply traumatized people only want love. Like that's kind of that's kind of the thing is it's you've got Henry II, who is a monster, a just absolutely terrible human, Mm -hmm. you know, wants to be loved by a young, beautiful woman and loved by one child, (laughs) loved by his son. Right. Yeah. And and Eleanor wants to be loved by Henry and then also by proxy his sons because uh, she's obsessed. And yep. Richard wants to be loved by his parents. John wants to be loved by his parents and Richard. Joffrey wants Jeffrey wants anyone to love him like he wants yeah. to even be acknowledged. Right. Yep. And like and and Philip, um, you know, wanted to love his father whom he didn't respect because of what Henry did to him. Basically everyone is suffering from what Henry did to him, did to them. Like the ultimate patriarch, the king of England is a fucking monster. (laughs) Right. Well, and then, so I, of course I had to kind of do like a little bit of a dive into the actual historical accuracy of it and kind of what was happening. But like even the, the recorded history is fucking wild. It's so wild. That like Eleanor was, married to the king of france and 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 she even makes a comment in in the film of like i could have been your mother to to philip yeah exactly um, and it's like all they have to do is go to the to the pope and get their marriage annulled however many times that they want yeah and probably like bribe them or do them a favor yeah. and it's just like it's like wife swapping and exchanging for land which is probably a lot more common back then than I would assume. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, very much so. But I mean, yeah. you have to be you have to be careful with a lot of those like crazy moves because that will make people revolt against you. You know, landlords, like fellow nobility, like, you know, that was the, the constant problem and why Eleanor of Aquitaine was locked up and, and why there was all this constant strife is because like the nobles would just revolt and the sons mm. would be involved. And uh, yeah, it's it, in, in terms of it's like, historical accurate accuracy like you know that they, they place a play a little fast and loose with some elements because this is sure. a story this is a story based on a play and, it, and it's a fictional depiction that's you know trying to explore stuff but i it is really interesting um what like how it sort of flips a lot of these characters that we be we may envision in different ways i think in particular richard because uh, I feel like uh, particularly Americans are most familiar with Richard the Lionheart, the um, beloved uh, king of England in the Robin Hood uh, yep. tales. He is he's he's the Richard who goes away. And John is the prince who is a shit heel. And like it, <laughs> and, and that is very much like accurate. Like Richard yeah. spent very little time in England and went on his crusades which is so wild to be like, Robin Nutt, are you guys really like loving this guy who like, you know, that's what I love about the Errol Flynn version is like, you know, it's Richard's fault. He should not have left 
to go fight the Crusades. It's dumb. Yeah. And yeah, now he, his he brothers can yeah. scheme, you know, uh, and after Richard's death, John would take the throne and be like insanely incompetent and an insanely unpopular had to sign the Magna Carta. You know, it was just like, it's exactly, it went exactly as you would expect having watched this movie, even though at the end of the movie, nothing is resolved. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I, I was kind of hoping for some sort of, at least a resolution in, in some way, even though I did not know the, the, the history behind it. Yeah. But for all the, the like pomp and circumstance of the film, yeah, nothing gets resolved. You're, you're, you're back to where you started. Um, but in some ways it, there's, a, at least I felt a bit of closure with this in just that, like, maybe they all kind of understood each other a, a bit more. There's a bit more truth out there, mm-hmm. even yeah. though they're all trying to kill each other and, but then not quite kill each other. And they love hated each other in some weird incestuous way. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a weird vibe, but it, it's superbly acted. Yeah. Um, I know this won a bunch of Academy Awards. Catherine Hepburn won like uh, like one of her four for this one. Yeah, the third. She won her third, tied with Barbara Streisand for I don't know what Barbara Streisand won, but she became the first yeah. best actress, uh, three time winner at that yeah. time. So she fucking slayed, obviously. <laughs> yes. She and she was like a force on set too. Like Peter O'Toole was well known for being a problem and a bit of a tyrant on set, but he was completely topped by her. Like she completely, mm-hmm. um shut him down and was like, no, like there's some really funny quotes about it. You folks should look up. I'm not remembering off the top, but he said it like in her presence, like she's terrifying. I'm terrified of her. Like (laughs) she's like sent from hell to torment me or whatever. And she would berate him on set and she would berate Anthony Hopkins because they would show up drunk or hungover sometimes. And she would just berate them. She would berate Peter O'Toole for being late, being like, you can't, you're not allowed to be late if you want to work with me. Cause she's Catherine Hepburn, man. Like, (laughs) Yeah. She just she just came into every situation and took control of it. And like that was so here and Eleanor of Aquitaine, um, whom she's like a descendant of. Actually. She is. Yeah. Uh, she just really bodied that role and just and just threw down so hard on it. And, uh, and and like her trajectory over that over this whole movie is just like she's just doing anything that she can to get out of jail and yet yeah. is like getting on her boat and laughing as she heads back because he's going to let her out at Easter. But it's like the, <laughs> the way that it ends is like so dissatisfying. But I'm like, I feel like it really hits for like I feel like you get lots of stories about people visiting their toxic family at Christmas mm-hmm. and then everything goes off the rails and there's crazy drama and a big explosion and family secrets come out and it's like a big drama and then at the end of it it's almost like it didn't happen and we all just you all just go back to your lives with your family being weird and strained and then you just do it all over again next Christmas and a different family secret comes out and a different fight happens. And it's just this constant cycle. But I think you're right. There is so much truth on the table now. You know, Henry cannot is no, can no longer live in denial about how John is a total weenus and an incompetent. (laughs) I did not like him. And he sucks, God. He sucks. But I, I have to say, the actor did a great job because one of the things I noticed is that you've got like Henry and Richard standing very up, you know, upright, and yes. and, and Jeffrey they're very intellectual. You know, Richard's the the 
of a warrior. And then you've got Johnny, who's just like slumped over and a fucking idiot. Yeah, and his mouth is always time. hanging open. Like he always just looks like a fucking jerk off. Like it's yeah. <laughs> it's like you do just like he's so slappable. Yeah. You know, and we know from what Alice says about like he smells bad, he stinks. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like this is eleven eighty three. If someone's saying somebody stinks, then that's saying something. They really stink. You know, <laughs> like wow, that guy must smell so bad. But yeah, it's like, you know, Henry can't lie to himself about John anymore, which means that eventually Richard will take the throne. He does historically, so it's like mm-hmm. that's heartbreaking. Which is why he has this total fucking manic impulse to go to Rome and marry Alice and have more sons. It's like, it's such a capricious, stupid move that he's like running, but it's like, he's desperate because his, his last chance was drawn. Like he thought like, I can, you know, I'm getting old and, and I don't like my other sons and Henry's dead. And so the youngest is my last chance. He's like uncorrupted and I'm going to do everything that I can to train him. I'm except you know, Henry doesn't comprehend how he is not, like, mentally or emotionally prepared to, like, raise a functioning human being. Like, that's what happens when you're, like, a psychopath or something, you know? Yeah. Well, especially, and and, and they they touch on it. I think some of my favorite scenes are are, are between Henry and, and Eleanor. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how they, they go back and forth. And obviously, like, Eleanor... Uh, favors Richard and and even most of the time you know Henry says oh Richard is completely yours mm-hmm. and then they say oh well John is completely Henry's and because because Henry raised him and that is completely his product of because since Eleanor has been locked up so he so so Henry raised John and that is a full Henry influence mm-hmm. and they keep fighting about them going back and forth and then they completely they leave Jeffrey out of it. Like no one even mentions Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see how much of an influence Henry had on Johnny and that he was not raised properly. He was raised in this environment where he's a spoiled brat. And even though Henry is putting all of his efforts and love into him, uh, it's not coming back because John doesn't know any, he, he's not retaining any of that. He's not showing any growth, I think. Yeah, Henry's not raised him with any real values because he himself is so morally bankrupt. I mean, mm-hmm. he freely admits to having sex with little boys, you know, yeah. as like a casual, like I fucked kids, and, you know, like, yeah. and that is like a supposed to be a romantic wooing phrase to Alice to be like, I didn't love those children I fucked, but I love you. It's yeah. like, it's like Henry is truly a monster and and just but just like can't wrap his head around the fact that it's like you know he thinks that he's not and that's why when he reflects on john later i've seen him you know whore and steal and whip his servants and it's sort of like yeah and you did nothing you didn't intervene because it just wasn't worth it because you just you didn't have the emotional fortitude he's they're they're all so stunted and so emotionally underdeveloped Mm -hmm. that they just like don't have it in them to be good to others or to raise kids or to, you know, to engage anything like that. So they just live in this constant state of like vengeance almost like they, that's like all they live for. Like Eleanor yeah. is like, you know what? You know, Henry's like, why don't you stop? She's like, it's what I live for. It's like literally <laughs> yeah. all I've got hating each other. All they do is hate each other. Hate, 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 hate. 
Yeah, it's kind of going back to what you said about when Henry mentions everyone that that he has fucked, and in in this way of him trying to say how much he he loves Alice, and that's in like like the first five minutes of the film. Yeah, and he says it, and I was kind of like, what? Like, and and then you think about it historically, and you're like, yeah, that probably did happen. And and I think even later they say how he took you know sheep to bed as well, and you're like, yeah, that probably happened as well. Um, but they say it so casually. And then it's interesting because, like what you said too, is then later how he says that Johnny is has no morals because he whips his servants and he whores around. Like, yeah, but you're not. That's like it's it's the pot pot calling the calling the kettle black, and it's like you're putting a different set of morality on your son when you raised him, and you're on doing something mm-hmm. completely different. And then he even is more ashamed of Richard. When it's found out that Richard and Philip have a relationship, or that Richard's gay and and or bisexual or, or or something. I mean, frankly, I think he's like a pedophile. Like it's like it's oh, like probably. you know you know the, I know that the writer and and media and everything. It's you know they're going for homosexuality, but at the end of the day, like Richard, um, like it was it was almost kind of like, uh, you know he. I feel like there's a certain aversion to women that comes with with the with the emotional incest that was forced upon him mm. by Eleanor and yeah. then also just like kind of a longing for his own youth and also to be loved like by uh the boy he couldn't be and the man his father wouldn't be for him and so mm. it's like it's like a fucked up twisted situation there but yeah it's like yeah it, it, i feel like henry is more like less ashamed of the gay sex and more ashamed of Richard um I guess being humiliated by Philip knowing Mm. that Philip only engaged in that affair in order to hurt Henry and rub it in his face like that's really what it was of being like you know my heir has been sullied by the dick of France you know it's like (laughs) where so it's like it's that it's that kind of like deep humiliation um, and emasculization, like the, the like he's been totally emasculated by Philip in that scene, um, which is so yeah. sad. Which is oh my god, the conversation between Richard and Philip at the table. That's being scene like is, I've walked through yeah. every street in hell like the last few years, and Richard's like that's odd. I never saw you there, blank faced. And then they sit in silence for almost mm-hmm. a full minute, you know. And yeah. it's like such a sad brutal conversation that really is like god like they hurt philip so bad that he's going through that conversation knowing that jeffrey and john are in the room and knowing that henry will be arriving any minute like it's like (laughs) oh my god they hurt each other so bad but philip i'm sorry i philip won that one he hurt everyone he hurt everybody and one like 20 minute scene or something you know it was amazing it was amazing i'm very proud of 17 year old king philip man (laughs) wow yeah yeah that's an amazing scene where it's things are kind of finally coming to a head and you've got uh john and jeffrey who are like sneaking in trying to make deals with philip and then you like he's hides them away and then richard comes in and they have this conversation and then he hides him away and then Henry comes in and then like everyone's hearing all these conversations and that, that entire scene is just kind of creates the, this eruption of everything. Cause that's mm-hmm. what leads, leads Henry down this road of like 
fuck it, you know, scorched earth, we're just going to get get rid of all of you because I can't trust anybody. Yeah, he has this delusion that somehow he's not going to do the same thing to his new kids, you know, right. or, you know, and, and Alice is the only one who has any sense of being like, you can't, your son, you have to kill them or never let them out because they will kill mm. this child. And like Eleanor is like, I would push him through the nursery door. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, he's so deluded like he like he says he you know after louis passed and philip was a child he had this experience of peace mm-hmm. and so he got to have this paternal kind of experience like we see um there's a scene when the family comes outside uh down the steps and henry and alice are helping some peasants with their food or whatever yeah. like he's helped their help like hands-on helping Mm. And he previously said, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I got to, like, you know, help some guys figure out who gets a cow or whatever. So he's kind of had this, you know, the, the you know, being older and then ha- having this sense of peace and also getting to have these sort of small moments of ha- helping people. Yeah. Because you know? it's like so his whole life has been about corruption and killing and mm-hmm. betrayal and and all of this truly vile, destructive, uh, evil action. And then he has this like mini little retirement and he gets a taste of that um, and thinks he, he can somehow propel that. Uh, and yet it's coming at it from a completely delusional space, which is that somehow John is going to be that king. You know, I mean, he says it in that scene after they come down and he's helping the peasant and he's like, Richard's going to be king and he's going to marry Alice and that's that. And he says to John being like how you could not keep it from him. And he says to Richard with you on the throne, I get the one thing I want, which is England intact. Yeah. And it's sort of like he, you know, we know that he's saying all this is a lie in order to set up his sting operation in order to Mm -hmm. destroy the alliance between Eleanor and Richard. And uh, yeah, it's like, um, actually you just made sense. Like, you're like, yeah. oops, like, oops, like, you're, like, you really are being super stupid, Henry. Like, I mean, Richard sucks, but from Henry's perspective, Richard is his best option. So right. it's, it's just foolish of being like, you say, you know, you, it, at the end of the day, all of these people are so selfish that England, France, the citizenry mean nothing. All oh, no. they yeah. want is to win, you know, all they want is to dominate these people who have hurt them over and over and over again mm-hmm. and yet are also people that they have admired and loved i mean john even says it about richard you know you're the type of brother like a boy dreams of i used to dream about you yeah. all the time that strong and older it, brother goes off to war and like that thing that that you look up to yeah and i mean look at richard he's so upright and he's so beautiful and 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 solid and and peaceful and and he refers to himself at one point as like a sometime poet you know yeah. so it's like he's got a kind of uh courtly uh i don't really know what the right word is but he but he is like you know he's like almost like saint george he's almost the red yeah. cross knight himself he's this yeah. icon that, that a little that boy very, would look up to yeah it's that very noble lion-hearted yeah, this is exactly. That pure Richard image. Lineart, he yeah. looks like that, except that Richard was was totally unable to be any kind of a role model, mentor, brother, friend, because he hated John for getting all of Henry's love. 
You know, I mean, Richard even admits it. Like, you never called for me. You never said my name. Like, all I wanted was you. All I wanted was my father. And and you wanted nothing to do with me because I was second board. That's really it. And it's so brutal. So they're constantly sabotaging their own interests. Like, Richard refusing to marry Alice because his mom betrayed him. Right. And it's like, you can argue being like, oh, it's a bad move because he loses the Aquitaine. But I'm like, no, but you now have this alliance with Philip and you're married to Alice. Like, that's that's like you should have locked that down, Richard. But he yeah. was so but, you know, but Henry knew him. Henry knew how devo- like how deep the emotional incest was between Eleanor and Richard, that all he had to do was to reveal Eleanor's duplicity, mm-hmm. that Richard would like a stubborn little boy. And he sure does act like a stubborn little boy. I am oh, yeah. next in line in that scene that it's so it's so easy it is like shooting fish in a barrel they're all so easy to manipulate yeah and i think i mean that's was kind of one of the things that did bother me a little bit but i because every time henry's talking and like especially that first scene where he's like okay this is my plan and they all freak out because like john's like so his his initial plan is to let richard marry alice have the kingdom. And of course, John freaks out and is like, dude, you know, he's manipulating you. And I think they all do it like subconsciously, but on the surface, they're like, but they are just this gut reaction to like, but you promised me this, you love me. And now you're saying that you love someone else. And you're like, of course he's saying this. He's just manipulating everybody. Yeah. It's like, even though he's constantly lying to them and constantly hurting them every time he does it, they're shocked. Yeah. It's like they just live in this constant PTSD state where every lie, every manipulation, everything is just another lash on an open wound. It's just so brutal. They're so vulnerable. And um, and Eleanor, like, it's like, God, like her trajectory over this endless Christmas, you know, it's like none of them go to bed and she's just like unraveling. Slowly, it's amazing yeah. god Catherine hepburn just slays it <laughs> she's so good and in in i mean from like the second she comes into the castle like she is i think her relationship w- with alice is is one of my favorites i she she loves alice she mm-hmm. has like genuine affection for her but then she also has this like disdain in that henry wants her wants alice and not herself not eleanor you know for to as his wife so there's yeah. like this it's this weird uh, mix of, of of and and they all kind of do it there's all this mix of like love and hate and which then also transcends to henry and eleanor's uh conversations where they can be very affectionate and like love each other and like oh do you remember the first time we met it was great and then 10 seconds later, they're like, fuck you. I like, I want to murder you. And it's just, it's this constant, like abusive relationship. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. You know, it's like, they keep talking about how, like how horrible Eleanor is, but it's like, Henry's keeping her in captivity. Right. You know, it's like, you really can't at the end of the day, Henry's the guy, like it all comes down to him being King, being this ultimate, violent, brutal, selfish greedy consuming patriarch and yet even still it's like eleanor like all the even though he is this horrible monster they all are in awe of him like they're still like marv they marvel at him i mean the way eleanor talks about him to richard 
you know, being like, I met, you know, I met him and we shattered the commandments on the spot, you know, and then like, you know, I was his countess and then, you know, and then he was king of England in three years done at 21. He was, yeah, he was, he was king at 21 years old. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Henry II was a giant. He was a fucking madman and he was an impressive individual. And and it's and Eleanor was completely captivated by him and and uh, obsessed, absolutely obsessed. But she was also older. Eleanor of Aquitaine was 11 years older than uh, Henry II. Than Henry. OK. So that's another motivation for him to throw her over for younger women. And then for him to choose Alice. Alice, yeah. her little doll, her little pet, her little, you know, the closest thing that she would have to like a child she loved, really, mm-hmm. you know, like like a daughter, like, you know, and and Alice has like just this kind of light to her because she's beautiful and because she's also like one of the only people that has kind of like honest surgical insight, yeah. you know, like she punctures henry's delusion about making new sons you know and and she calls out eleanor being like you know you know kings queens knights all over and i'm the only pawn right and she had uh, some good lines yeah she had some really great lines being like oh you know eleanor's like could i ever bring myself to hurt you like eleanor with both hands tied behind you and she (laughs) sweeps out of the room and her light thin dress even though everyone else is bundled up to the neck (laughs) So, yeah, it's Henry is a beast, man, and like a good way and a bad way. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why, too, people I mean, because they they give him the respect as king and father and how he's like scraped and fought to to get to where he is. But then which may make a good king or may make a good warrior, but definitely not a, a, a good loving father. No, or a good loving husband or a good loving right. human being, Yeah, you know, because it's like he believes that he has this supreme right to do whatever he wants and he even says it to alice being like i'll use you however i want and he you know he lies and hurts john in that scene when he announces richard will be heir even though it's part of a ploy he still didn't confide in john he still willingly wounded his son Mm -hmm. in front of the family humiliated him and you know put him through the ringer that's the thing he just doesn't get he thinks that he can just hurt people and yet they'll still be loyal because he's king and father. Right. You know, he's so literally entitled that he just like can't, you know, he just can't conceive of these things. But it makes him so vulnerable, though, because he has the supreme entitlement that he mm-hmm. can be completely broken down by Eleanor, like providing evidence that she fucked his dad. You know, right. yeah. he's and like, that, I don't like, care, whatever. But then. That broke him almost, or yeah, it did. He, yeah. yeah, he started screaming and gagging and almost threw up, you know? And it was yeah. like, whoa, bro, you're very <laughs> vulnerable. For yes. a big brute king of England, you are fucking vulnerable, man. Yeah. And also his statement at the beginning when they sit down to the Christmas dinner and Eleanor asks, did you ever love me? And he says, no. And she's like, good, that'll make this pleasanter or whatever. <laughs> and that's just like a flat out fucking lie. Yeah. Like you're fucking is it's it's just this constant unraveling of lies and that mm-hmm. he was also dazzled by Eleanor because everybody was. She was Eleanor sure. of Aquitaine, Queen of France, Queen of England. You know, she was a uh, uh, magnificent and a genius. And so how could yeah. he not fall in love with her? The like, you know, how could he not? You liar. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, because he probably saw her as his equal when mm-hmm. they first met. That that the intellect, the beauty, that desire to be more than what you are, or to uh, to attain more. Yeah, ambition and mm-hmm. and confidence and creativity and a kind of dominant personality that could compete. You know, it's right. like, you know, at the end of the day, he is dominating Alice at every turn. So mm-hmm. it's like. It's like in his old age, that's the kind of love he wants. He doesn't want to fight with his woman anymore. He doesn't yeah. want he doesn't want a strong competition. He doesn't want lively interaction. He just wants the comforts of his old age and a what sixteen year old lover. Yeah, you know? let's let's talk about that for a sec. So, <laughs> um, so he is like fifty at this point, which I. It's funny because he's like, I'm so old. I'm I'm gonna die anytime now, but he's 50, which yeah. probably probably back then is you know fairly accurate. Um so I was trying to piece this together, and it sounds like what so she came there when she was seven mm-hmm. or so, um, as part of an agreement that Henry made with Louis uh, for for peace, and so she was raised there, yeah, uh, as this promise and like part of a dowry and all that, and I, I guess supposedly to be the future bride of one of his sons, right? To be the yeah, be the queen of queen. England. So then, but then eventually, at some point, he takes her as his his own lover mm-hmm. for some time. Um, it's just it's the mostly like, grooming and pedophilic, like. Yeah. I mean, all of them are subject to this. And it's just, I mean, because even his comments about being with, you know, little boys and then Richard uh, seducing Philip when Philip was 15 and, you know, yeah. Richard was probably in his, like, 20s, 30s. Yeah, um, he was, uh, I think he, let's see if he was, I think he was 24 when he first assaulted Philip. So yeah. Philip was 15, was 15 yeah. and he was 24. Yeah. And then you've got him basically grooming alice to love Mm -hmm. him and she's only what 17 in this i mean she's probably a a little younger than philip philip is 17 now okay right so king at 17 woof yeah because even alice is like he's just a pimple-faced idiot he's he's a child still which which he is yeah but at the same time like he has been watching and he has been he has been realistic this entire time in which Henry is not, you know, it's like mm-hmm. Philip was ne- clearly never deluded by anything going on around him. Like he was aware of uh, who his father really was and um, was very disappointed in him and and hated Henry for that, for what he did to his dad. So it's just like, yeah. and then of course, like you say, also to his sister to be like, he, he took my sister to bed, you know? Mm-hmm. And destroyed her honor, basically. And, you know, and is keeping her for his own plaything. Right. Uh, you know, my beloved sister, Henry's plaything. Like, how brutal is that from Philip's perspective to just be constantly humiliated by Henry? Yeah. And they just, I, and she just gets handed around so easily. Oh, you're going to go to Richard. Oh, you're going to go to John. But it's really, she's with me. And it's just like, she's just a toy. Yeah. Exactly. She's just like a physical manifestation or like a, she's like a marker for her mm-hmm. lands, you know? Yeah. And uh, and 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 a marker for the the uh, the physical manifestation of the alliance between these two kingdoms. And it, uh, it's just so brutal. It's so brutal how she's so devoted to Henry, how he's so indoctrinated her. 
even though she has the surgical insight, you know, even though she is intelligent and observant, um, she has still clung to her abuser because he's the only one who can keep her any kind of safe. Like she has to stay with Henry. She's like, don't get rid of me. You know, don't leave me. Mm-hmm. Like, because you know, if she, she doesn't have anyone, she doesn't have anybody else. And so it's like, it's kind of like, um, Lolita actually, that's like, yeah. that's a major element there where it's like, eventually Lolita submits to the relationship because she has nowhere else to go and this is just like a classic thing that happens to the children who are groomed by adults and then get into these relationships because they target these kids that don't have anywhere else to go don't have anyone to go to and and it's just so sad it's so sad and so dark merry christmas (laughs) it's it's the most christmasy movie ever um but it's it's interesting how Henry never seems to see it because, again, I think he's deluded in that. He's like, I'm I'm the king. I'm right. Yep. And I think the only way he would have gotten out of this fairly cleanly was if 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 Richard was king, because by pi- by bypassing Richard and going to John, John's incompetent. And, yep. you know, Richard's going to fight him and that Jeffrey's going to pick whichever side he can manipulate because he can manipulate John very easily. Yeah. Or snuggle up to Richard. And then by the end, when he's like, Alice, let's just all just have new sons. And you're like, dude, like they're all telling you they will slaughter your babies. And he's yeah. like, Yeah, it's fine. No one's and, gonna matter. I mean, the the idea that he could like that he spent years grooming John to be king and not being like Richard will go to like the delusion that he's not gonna doom England to civil war. Mm-hmm. Just to have this fantasy of of uh, familial love, like John loves me, John loves me. Everybody's so obsessed with say you love me, love me, please love me. It's yeah. God, it's so pathetic. They're all so pathetic. <laughs> yeah, it's Richard wants Henry's has has his mother's, but then Richard gets so distraught. With Eleanor, because he's like, we were once so so close, and I, and I honestly thought that they were going to kiss at at one point, Richard yeah. and his mother, yeah. when they're on the like little garden walk, um, just. But then he is so mad once he's like, well, we kind of drifted apart, and now you, I don't know if you love me, and even though she's still fighting for him to be king, yeah, he he, he holds a grudge like no one else. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he really just believes like she's only fighting him. For him to be king in order to oppose Henry, being like, Henry wants John, so I'm going with Richard. And, like, not appreciating that the emotional incest goes both ways, right? Like, it's like, he has come to comprehend that so much of what Eleanor was doing was a reaction to what Henry was doing. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, so it's like, you didn't really love me. You were just, like, playing house in a way. You know, like, we were living in this little fantasy bubble, and I was your Henry surrogate. And you, you got to have, and you know, I got to be the receptacle for all of this longing. And then you indoctrinated me to be devoted to you and obsessed with you and infatuated with you. And yeah. and and that just like as it goes, it just uh, everything that she continued to do always ended up hinging on hurting Henry and not helping or loving Richard. You know, that's the thing. She always picks right. hurting Henry over Richard. That's what that she'll always, always do. Yeah. And. Yeah, oof. it's it's there's and there's so much um, I I hate to use the word 
uh, grooming these days just because it gets so misconstrued, especially in modern things. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's the best word I can think of. Um, it's the but, right word. Yeah. Just because assholes is. are trying to take it, they don't get to. This is <laughs> that's, the real word. This yes. is how we mean it. Yeah. Um, Straights are doing this. <laughs> yeah. And so Henry is grooming John, mm-hmm. basically, uh, to be his 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 heir and also Alice to be his lover. And then and then Eleanor was basically grooming Richard because it was opposing Henry. Mm-hmm. And then you and got also Jeffrey to replace Henry. Right. And and then she can be in control as well. And then because that way she can win. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Jeffrey who's just like, I, I hate all of you because no one loves me. I or he's not useful. I think because yeah, he's he he's no that purpose. middle child. Yeah. He's purposeless. He's meaningless, means nothing. And like he tries to ask Eleanor, being like, You guys never had any interest in me whatsoever. Why not? And she's just like I don't know. And it's because they can't feel normal, normal, real human feelings. And all relationships are sort of transactional. And Mm -hmm. Jeffrey had nothing to offer. He's a spare, you know, an heir and a spare is the vibe. Richard was the spare, but also was, you know, the the second in line so she could control him. And he was the ideal target. But, you know, then she wouldn't have any time for Jeffrey. Right. Uh, and so it it's just like, yeah, he just served no purpose except to exist to be an insurance policy, basically. It's like yeah. if my brothers die, then it's me. And and it's like, gosh, that's so brutal to be this middle child kind of, you know, in a way. Like, he, you know, he's third in line. But uh, yeah, yeah. Cause there was there was an older uh, brother. It was a it was like a or young Henry. I think they yep. called him. He would have been Henry the third. Yeah. Um, he had died and then yeah so then it went to richard and then jeffrey but then there's also a couple of daughters that uh, they had some girls which of course yeah. being a girl at that time they were like they apparently they got can't, traded can't rule a kingdom they're just there they got for traded yeah, land off and, and died and whatever so yeah. they don't matter they mean nothing which is comes up in in that conversation too when henry says he just will fine i'll i'll marry alice and i'll have new sons and then even eleanor is like well, you could have a girl and and she's even like I'll just she says I will buy time she can delay the annulment from the pope for maybe a year and then maybe it's you know it's nine months for a pregnancy what if the baby dies in childbirth or it's a girl like God forbid it's a girl um, but like there's yep. no guarantee that he could have sons or that son isn't murdered by somebody yeah he's like. Henry just, like, can't admit, like, he keeps being like, oh, I'm winning, I've won, I'm winning, I've won. But it's like, I feel like we all understand the foregone conclusion that Richard will ascend to the throne. I mean, like, you keep saying you're winning and you're going to win and you're winning and you're going to win. But it's like, you're only winning these small time skirmishes Mm -hmm. and that you uh, broke the, you know, the the new alliance between Eleanor and Richard because she made him her creature again and he broke that. And and then also uh, that was like it. That's basically his only victory. Pretty much. Yeah. And and I think you're right. Like what you said earlier is that the ultimate winner of this is Philip. Yeah. He he broke this family. He sure did. And it's so funny because Henry is so smug that he won. He's like, I figured out how your mind works. I figured out what kind of man you are. But it's sort of like if you did, then you would have walked across the room and opened a tapestry. You know, right. like if he <laughs> if he really was so fucking on top of it, Mr. Smarty Pants Henry the second, 
then yeah, you would have been like, oh, I wonder why your bed curtains are closed. You know, mm-hmm. like it would, you know, it, it, but he was so smug about that. I loved it. It was so great. And then when Jeffrey like pulls the tapestry open to reveal John and the way that Henry shudders, like he shudders. Oh, he's hard. shaking. Yeah. Oh my God. And he's absolutely brutally devastated. He's completely destroyed. Wanders around the castle in this like fucking emo music video. <laughs> Love will tear us apart again. Whatever. You know, it's yeah. just like he's completely destroyed. And Philip is just like got his glass of brandy wine, leaning against the wall, looking super suave, just watching the fucking room burn. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, up top Philip. He really yeah. got the revenge, man. He got the revenge on Richard for raping him. He got revenge on uh, the fucking two young brothers for being annoying little fucking lickspittle pieces of shit. <laughs> got revenge on Henry for everything. And, yeah. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's, it's incredible. Oh, it is. Absolutely. And it's ironic that Hen- that King Henry fell for it. Yeah. Because there's, there's an earlier line where um, it's after the scene – with Eleanor and, and Richard and they're they're talking and then Henry says, Oh, it's it's quite an art to be eavesdropping. So like he was listening in or or he he had someone listening in on this conversation. And then you come go to this and you're like, dude, that that's exactly what's happening. You just don't know it. But like you you're in full audience here with, you know, three other people and you should have checked that. Like yeah, just because I you're mean, you're king doesn't mean it's someone can't do that to to you as well. Yeah, honestly, I feel like if this had been, if Eleanor had been the one going to see Philip, she would have mm-hmm. done, uh, she would have started with some fucking meaningless conversation and done a circuit of the room opening every tapestry, you know, oh, or like, you know, or at least like if I were in that kind of a situation with so many people in the castle, like that would have been like my first move is to like, fa- to, to, or to get Philip to leave the room. You know, right. to be like, let's go down to the kitchens, you know, yeah. to like to remove him into a space that he controlled. But he's so mm-hmm. he's so arrogant and feels so accomplished and like he is so much better than everyone else. That's that problem with self-supremacy, you yeah. know, or like any kind of supremacy. I was just reading these great little entries um, from World War Two. The Nazi, like these Nazi officials were taking records about how the Bolsheviks just like were continuing to do better and better than they expected, you know, yeah. being like, well, the Bolsheviks did this and we've really underestimated this about the Bolsheviks. And it's just sort of like it's one of those things where it's just like when you really do believe yourself to be superior, then you underestimate everyone mm-hmm. whom you consider beneath you, which is literally everyone. And right. you also discount like you, you also he just like doesn't have empathy like. Yeah, really, you know, it's like he can't really he couldn't really imagine what like how Philip might hate him, you know, like if he had like a real like, you know, truly intellectual, you know, big brain understanding, you know, uh, Michael Corleone level of like nuanced leadership, then he would have been like. Philip hates me too. Just like everybody hates me. So how would I imagine this person hates me and how would he try to take an emotional kind of revenge on me? Like he's just like unable to really put himself in other people's shoes. Oh yeah. Well yeah, they're they're all emotionally stunted. They have no empathy because I mean that's the nature of their environment and how mm-hmm. they they were all raised. Even though Henry thinks he's a good king for like you said where he was 
you know, I'm I'm solving problems. I'm I'm helping people pay their taxes, or you know, or creating these new laws, and you know, who gets a cow? Like he's he thinks of himself being better than he is, even though to his own family he is just still this monster. Yeah, he thinks of himself as like an honorable and kind sovereign. I'm good yeah. to these little people, and yet he's willing to doom them all to war. Mm-hmm. Over petty grievances, over bullshit, over, you know, uh, yeah, over love, over the absence of love. And, you know, and this is kind of one of those things where it's like you have these uh, kind of like these personality disorders that we all like to armchair diagnose people. But they share a lot of like symptoms that we see and that, you know, at the end of the day, like Henry is so emotionally insecure because of mm-hmm. his own PTSD and everything that's around. He just desperately, desperately needs to feel like someone is totally loyal to him. Right. And and it can't be Alice. Alice is not enough because she's just a woman. She's just a girl. Right. It needs to be a man. A His man sons. needs to love him and a son needs to love him and be devoted to him and 100% loyal and like barely even a person, like practically mm-hmm. an extension of himself. And that's why he's so blind to the truth of John. And and where where is it so obvious to all of us that young actor does such an amazing job of like making horrible punchable faces like i just like (laughs) i I just like i just like want to drag that kid down to the river and just press his face onto the mud and hold him there until he stops kicking like i just (laughs) hate this fucking kid he sucks he's so good at it though really good yeah i forget that name guy's name it's like nigel something uh nigel terry he played king arthur in some other thing i think nigel terry yeah Yeah, he he holds his own. He's very hateable. He yes, and they're all hateable in their own ways. Mm -hmm. Um, like Richard is kind of this blowhard. You think he's honorable, but he will probably also just kill anybody he wants. Yeah, and then Jeffrey's just the the manipulator. He's like, I'm gonna just. He's like, I know I'm not gonna win, but I can win if I just manipulate somebody to get what I want. Yeah. And then John's just a fucking idiot. He's so incompetent and stupid. And mm-hmm. I think I think his proudest moment is um, there's a scene where he shows he built this like wooden toy for for yeah, father. An executioner like, toy. What a fucking yeah. twisted up toy that you would make your dad. <laughs> right. What a fucking creep. But he was so proud of it. He's like, I carved it for months and, and I gave and but then he's like, eh, but then he didn't care. Like father, I didn't care about it. Yeah, because it's not the kind of thing that Henry is into. That's another thing with these kinds of toxic, childlike parents, is that they're not interested in engaging with you on things that you like. Yeah, it's if you they, have to adapt to them. They only want to do the things that you're you're an accompaniment, you know? It's like you're a companion on their journey. They don't want to go off-road to check out what you're into, right. you know? Like, uh, you see a lot of this actually in the show The Sopranos. Uh, Tony does this with AJ and AJ has a very, you know, John, like they have kind of a John Henry relationship a little bit, except Mm -hmm. Tony has no delusions that AJ is going to be boss of the Soprano family. Right. But there are these little incidents where like Tony's like when he's occasionally remembers that he has children um, is like trying to bond with AJ quote, I'm doing air quotes. And he's just like, why don't we go to this restaurant that I like? And AJ's like, 
well, why don't we go do this other thing instead that mm-hmm. I like to do? And, like, Tony looks all, like, forlorn and, like, bummed out until AJ relents. And it's like, okay, let's go do the thing that you want. And Tony's like, really? All right. And it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, because yeah, that, that's, that's where these kinds of, like, psychopath, like, you know, these kinds of toxic parents who can't experience, like, empathy or, like, see other people as fully alive individuals, you know? Mm-hmm. And... That, so it's like, yeah, he just doesn't care what John is into. He doesn't care if John has, uh, you know, engineering skills. Like, that is straight, he straight up built a little weird toy. Like, that's engineering. Yeah. And that is a skill that could be really valuable for a king moving into the 1200s. You know, I mean, like, moving into the future. It's like machinery is, mm. is going to be, like, a big part of what happens next. So instead of seeing that his son has an aptitude for something that could, in the long term, benefit England, he's like, I just want to make you a good fighter. It's the, Like, that's yeah. when we see them fighting, but we really don't see Henry doing much of anything else to prepare John to be king. He's just, yeah. like, hanging out, running around. It's like, okay, yeah, John can read languages, but he can't speak them, so clearly he's not speaking languages with his dad. He's not practicing his conversational, you know, Latin with his dad or whatever the fuck. You know, all they do is whatever Henry feels like doing. So it's going to be an incomplete education no matter what, because Henry is a psychopath. Right. And because that's what, of course, since father knows best, that's Mm -hmm. what that's what King Henry thinks. You have to be able to fight to be king and to maintain it. And even though he says he wants peace and he's had a taste of peace and. Honestly, he—I think at some point Henry doesn't even care who who wins. He his ultimate goal is his legacy. Is that mm-hmm. uh, we have to remember King Henry and what he started, what he created, and, and then honor that yeah. for as long as possible. And if Richard's on the throne, then he knows that people are going to be talking about how Richard was Eleanor's creature. Yeah, you know, and uh, and that you know his legacy will like will not he can't control that legacy through richard um but by the end but by the end of this movie he's realized that he also can't control his legacy through john and this will be borne out in actual real history in which richard is not a super successful king and john is definitely not a successful king jeffrey gets killed in a like jousting accident or something (laughs) so it's like uh you know yeah so it, it really also, I feel like this movie is, like, really good to be, like, yeah, like, what a toxic state system. Like, you know, monarchies, like, these kinds of, like, ultimate authority things. Like, we should today be thinking about these as cautionary tales because we do yeah. have people in all over the world and in America who really do want a kind of totalitarian top-down society that has a lot in common yeah. with feudalism. You know, like, this, these kind of monarchy feudalistic you know landowners are the only ones who can vote kind of thing and like they're the only ones with any kind of authority and then but then there is a supreme leader who has just like the authority to do whatever they want basically uh, and it, yeah. and there's there are people who think that that makes sense <laughs> yeah well, and that's what that's what's so sad is that it's you th- would think we have learned a lesson from I mean, this is nearly a thousand years, you know, nine, 900 years ago. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, they, they don't even consider the, the people. It's just what's good for me and my family because we don't even consider what's good for the actual population at large. Yeah. Which does relate to today. 
you know, yeah. the average person, you're like, oh, they're stupid. They don't know what they're doing. They should be told what to do. They can just live their little lives and not have yeah. a say in it. The um, people in power think we're dumb. Like they yeah. think that we don't know anything and we can we can't function and and we are by virtue of our position in society intellectually inferior to them. Like mm-hmm. it really is this kind you know this this uh, you know we in America take it to be this like prosperity gospel type deal being like you're yeah. successful in life that means that you're favored by God and will be going to heaven and it's and it's just uh, protects the the elite you know this idea of of um, of meritocracy of like and and breeding like we say oh such great yeah. breeding innate breeding you know and that's what this movie is all about it's all about this like we have to keep it in the family family is deeply deeply important from a mm-hmm. like state infrastructure governmental perspective which is super unhealthy for what the family is supposed to be, which is like a unit of survival and camaraderie, right? Oh, like yeah. You're supposed to be comrades with your family. These people are fucking not. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's so uh, – it's it's an incestuous thing, which is how monarchies are. I mean, yeah. you know, because they're like, oh, we have to keep it in, in the family because we don't trust outsiders. We don't trust you to breed with common – like this is our stock. Yeah, Basically. exactly. And it's the most incestuous thing that still happens now. Yeah, like that's why like you just like see throughout history like you just like you get to these portraits of people that have like these really unfortunate like visual like you can see like the physical de- deformities that indicate the like, you know, the consequences of this long-term inbreeding, which is like s- such a bummer that that is, you know, because I feel like that that has then just created a lot of prejudice like the, around people who don't who have different looking faces who have asymmetrical right. faces and stuff right like right like it's like it's all like everything they did these noble and royal families has had massive destructive impact on the world to this day like you said it's 900 years ago and yet i feel like we're still feeling the consequences of the actions of these people of like Henry the second's yep. actions are still harming us. Richard's involvement in the crusades is still harming people all over the world. It's like the, you know, and, and yet these people are most concerned with their own, uh, feelings and mm-hmm. feelings of being loved. It's, and that's infuriating. It's infuriating because like that, it feels like they're weaponizing our empathy against us. Like I start getting mad at them as I'm watching this movie to be like, fuck you for making me feel sad for you, Eleanor yeah. of Aquitaine. You know? Yeah. Fuck you have jerk. these. Well, yeah. Cause you have these moments where you're like, Oh, she, she just wanted to be loved or any of them just want to be loved. And they didn't get that love. And then, yeah, you, you kind of catch yourself and you go, no, these are all awful people. Yeah. They're, like, they're... landed, powerful people. <laughs> Um, who it's like, yeah, it's sad. They wanted love and they were abused and mistreated and whatever else. But they're also like adults who make their own choices. That's the thing is like we get, you know, they get into this self-pity state and they start essentially being like everything that I've done is excused by my trauma. Everything that I've done is excused by my mental illness or my need for love, et cetera. Like, you know, we all 
we see on TikTok and everywhere people talking about their experience with narcissists and people with borderline yeah. personality disorder and stuff like that and like how impossible it is to interact with people who won't take responsibility for their own actions and continuously make themselves the victims. Mm-hmm. Well, because that even came because so when I because I I did not know much of the actual history behind it before watching the film. And at first you're kind of like, oh, he's imprisoned his wife for 10 years. Like, that's not right. And then a little bit into it, you know, it's like, well, she also started a few rebellions against him, like murdered his past mistresses. And you're like, okay, I I, I kind of get why she's in prison now. But, and and you have, which I think is, is a credit to the actors, is you do feel bad for them in those yeah. moments. You do feel like sympathetic and, and all they want is to be loved and have, but then you're like, no, you you all suck. You've all just burned and you know, like scorched earth and fucked each other over in so yeah. many ways. It's just it's it's not good. No, it's not. I, and it's gosh, yeah, like you like you said, the actors, Catherine Hepburn and Peter O'Toole and Anthony Hopkins in particular, and and Timothy Dalton also. I don't I've not really seen anything else that Timothy Dalton brought this brought the same level of chops. Uh, like acting chops yeah. to it, but I feel like that's more the roles that were offered him subsequently. This was the most like literate film that he did. Right. Uh, and Wait, uh, are you saying that James Bond is not the same criteria as this? Come on. It's not as demanding, <laughs> you know, like it's not, a, you know, it's, it's not, it's not literate. It, it, it's rough, <laughs> man. Uh, but yeah, it's like all of these actors, uh, like Catherine Hepburn, especially just like, like conjures up her misery and like her mm. suffering like she's just so and it's not an it's not a like whiny frustrating suffering you know like there's there there isn't this weeping willow like weak little fragile quality to it it's this just like when she has tears in her eyes and when tears fall down yeah. her face and she's but she's still got her chin lifted and and she's in these bright colors but she's just got this like Catherine Hepburn, it was so good. Like, she just yeah. was able to channel, like, hate and, and suffering. Like, everything is through this lens of suffering. And that it, it's like, this is the life, like, this is where my life has led, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I've seen the Middle East, and now I'm in jail. I get let out for Christmas and Easter, you know? Yeah. It's like... She's it's, seen the it's, world. And... She's fallen so far and so hard and yet she keeps trying. She and that's why she's laughing at the end. Like that's mm. why she and Richard are laughing at the end because you know, ne- I'll get you next time at Easter. Right. Yeah. And that's what, that's one of the craziest things, is even when you're first introduced to them, she's like, oh, it's you know, it must be Christmas. I I get to leave the house, and then their first introduction is just like, oh, I love sparring with you. It's just our battle of wits, and I'm gonna one up you, and like, nope, I'm gonna one up you, and then yeah. that's they just get this joy out of it. They do like it. At the end of the day, like, even if they are suffering, like, they have gotten themselves into this pattern where, like, that was that relationship that they had was maybe the happiest relationship they ever had because it was Mm. so stimulating. Like, that's the thing. People that develop these kinds of weird, fucked up mental mental illnesses are extremely bored. Like, that's a thing that we don't, like, get about, like, people that have like antisocial personality disorder or like borderline or whatever that like people with mental illnesses like that uh, are really understimulated. They get really, really bored. And then that's when they can cause chaos or do harmful things because they're so fucking bored. But clearly Eleanor and Henry were, were 
they're not boring to each other. You know, right. and so they were just like constantly in this state of stimulation, except it's not sustainable because there is no trust or loyalty or mm-hmm. honesty with one another. So you can't, you know, so they're, you know, when they come back, you know, and they kiss in this movie, it's like this desperate need to kind of like stabilize the relationship. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know if you ever like know anybody who like, you know, two people that were like a couple that were super toxic. You know, they're super duper toxic, breaking up all the Mm -hmm. time, hurting each other all the time, but then would like get back together and have like really, really passionate sex and have this really passionate sexual relationship. And it was because they were trying to stabilize the relationship and that kind of physicality was a really shortcut way to trick their brains into thinking they had it. And so it's like for Eleanor and Henry, it is that kind of sparring, joking um, you know, battle of the giants kind of thing. And, and so that's why, that's why I think it's really great that they end the movie with like Henry throwing his arms out and Eleanor <laughs> is laughing and they're just guffawing yeah. at the end of this, even though and nothing's been resolved, everything's terrible. She's going back to jail, but they're like, this was crazy and interesting, right? <laughs> like Eleanor's so bored and she just had the most like exciting Christmas ever. That's so fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like they need these big emotions. They need this constant, like you, we're either yelling at each other or we're we're passionate or something. And it's just, yeah. Which I think I love the dialogue so much. Um, it, it does remind me of kind of that Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy kind of vibe, mm-hmm. a, a bit of like noir vibe, where it's like let's just you know like shot after shot after shot, just yeah, back banter, and forth, banter, yeah. constant, 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 constant retorts, retorts, retorts. And like, and it's so you know, good. he's like, you know, like, uh, you know, Rosalind died however many years ago. And she's like in two months and 18 days, you count the days I made the numbers up. Like, it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, just to fuck with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like so fast. The dialogue is so quick and, and crisp and sharp. And they uh, and they just every sentence, Peter O'Toole and Catherine Hepburn stab into one another, you know, mm-hmm. and it's and, and the intensity is so authentic. It's just like an actor's uh, paradise. Uh, actually, oh, Catherine, yeah. Catherine Hepburn gave advice to Anthony Hopkins that he said was like the best acting advice he got, which was mm-hmm. she was just like, don't act. I act all over the place. You have a good face, good voice, big body. Just be there and just say the lines. Yeah. And he was like, that was really good advice. And yeah, and I'm just like, nice. And, you know, it's true. It's like, that, you know, every actor is bringing, has their own talents and it's all coming from their own place. And for him, it's so much about his presence, right? He gives a lot of that just in like, there's some shots like um, in the scene where they're all hiding behind tapestries inside mm-hmm. of Philip's room. When when he hears Philip tells that story of like, well, I only let Richard do that so that I could hold it against him. And, and it, it zooms in on, on Anthony Hopkins' face and, and you could almost see how broken he is. Yeah. In, in his mind, he was connecting with Philip. That was his only maybe good romance or good connection. Yeah. But Anthony Hopkins, and, and he doesn't even say anything before he kind of explodes, but he's like, but in, in his face, you could see it. Yeah, he's, that is, it's, that's what Anthony Hopkins is bringing so much. It's so much of his face, yeah. so much of his physicality, his presence, the like resonance of the statements that he makes, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, that is so what he's bringing. Whereas like Catherine Hepburn is just like, you know, 
it's like her her acting and her dialogue is almost musical it's so complicated and and so orated and and uh but even physically like when they're walking in the park and she cuts her arm and she's like i'll sign you know in my blood i'll write it here or whatever and and then and then he he breaks the distance and he grabs her arm and there's a moment when she's she's got the needle in her hand or the pin in her hand and she chucks it she just throws it away in order to take him with her other hand. Yeah. And it's like, just, it's such a natural move that Catherine Hepburn did. Like, that's the kind of like confident actor that she was where she could just, mm-hmm. where she would just be like, instead of like trying to think of some clever way to tuck the pin back into her coat or something, or like overthinking it. She's just like, no, Eleanor just chucks the pin. Cause who needs it? it? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, there are a million pins, you know, or like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter like what, you know, it's like, you know, and also like that scene is over of me trying to manipulate my son by cutting myself, by self-injuring. She and made then, her point. And, yeah. and she and she frees her hand or her talon, as she says earlier, in order to take him mm-hmm. and like have him in her embrace and in her clutches and bring him back in to the fold. That whole right. scene is next level. I'm really proud <sighs> of Anthony Hopkins being able to hang. Like, he took her yeah. advice and was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take your advice. And as a result, he, like, um, really made space for her to, uh, yeah, to just uh, to just consume everything. And it's no wonder that, like, Catherine Hepburn just, like, dominated, dominated everyone on set. She just had a, like, fire oh, yeah. and strength and power and, and intelligence as an actor that you just, you just can't top. Yeah. And that's what's crazy is, I mean... I think of this being so long ago, you know, it came out in uh, 68 and she was in her sixties doing this and you're mm-hmm. like, yeah. but then, you know, of course she lives another, you know, 40 years. Yeah. Um, but you're like, just the amount of like experience and power and skill she has doing this. And mm-hmm. it's just, and, and it shows uh, even with, I mean, I think with, with everyone, um, cause I mean, even with like, say Anthony Hopkins and Timothy Dalton, even though they're, younger this is one of their i mean they had done some stage stuff and they went through the royal academy and all that mm-hmm. um but i think that it shows their n- n- how naive they are dealing with their parents yeah i think um they may be a bit naive uh, as actors which is okay because then it shows how kids dealing with parents were always a little naive because they're our parents we we assume that they know more they're older, they're more experienced and, yeah. and we still just want their, their approval. And I think that comes across in a good way. Yeah. They, as actors, Timothy Dalton and Anthony Hopkins were really well cast. They were ideal yeah. for these roles. And, and, you know, yeah, as you said, like Royal, Royal Academy guys, like these, these were meaty characters that weren't too hard. I mean, I don't, I hate to say it that way, but more being like, um, they didn't, they didn't demand a kind of like complexity and almost unpredictability mm. that is in Eleanor of Aquitaine and Henry that it's just right. like, it's one of those things where it's just sort of like you have to be a seasoned actor, you know, when we say seasoned in terms of like experience. And so you get to see this contrast between these young actors and these, these giants, even though Peter O'Toole actually was 36 Right, uh, yeah. And it's just hilarious. But, I mean, that Peter O'Toole, man, also a, yeah. a genius, brilliant. He just he just knew that Henry had to take up a lot of space. He had to be really big, take mm-hmm. up tons of space. 
and uh, and just be relentlessly and utterly confident. And and he himself had that kind of energy anyway. So yeah, it, he was perfectly cast, even if he was too young. Yeah, it's um as I was watching this, um, I kind of thought this was since this was uh you know so this was came from a stage play. And then turn turned into a film. I I kind of equate this a little bit to to like like a Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I, I could see this becoming like a musical. Like I mean, because <laughs> this would be a great musical. There's like murder and intrigue and backstabbing, which is all because they they just turned that. Um, there's a musical from like the Henry the Sixth or the other wives of uh, from Henry the mm-hmm. Sixth, right? And I can see this becoming like a musical as well, that kind of yeah. same thing to get people in to learn a, a bit more about, you know, history or some sort of revival of this. Because this is. Th- I mean, this, this I mean, amazing. but this Christmas didn't happen. So, I mean. No, I know, but it'd still so, be. Yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah. if this were going to be a musical, it would have to be just like the most miserable musical ever made. <laughs> like, because that's like really yeah. what it's about. It's really about like the depths of misery that people can. Uh, drop themselves into like they are they have all made themselves so miserable and that and that's really what it is of like looking at the like the toxic uh corruption of these people who had unchecked power right you know and you know i mean like the scene when eleanor bribes the guard to get her down into the 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 vault or whatever to to bring the daggers to her sons and she just stands there watching this guard murder his friend yeah he has to like, murder another guard yeah so they obviously know each other those two guys and that guy accepted a ring to kill someone that he knows like that is like mm-hmm. the environment that they're in you know it's like you know we get we're probably a little desensitized to this in the post game of thrones landscape yeah but i feel like sometimes we can have a detachment to media like game of thrones because there are fantasy elements to them right mm-hmm. and there's supernatural elements to them sure. whereas i feel like this movie hits even harder because it's our world you know and yeah especially that is- scene cuz there's it, there's there's no music it's very quiet and all you really hear is like them kind of shuffling around and then his death like that's a little shocking it's like you see him twitching yeah. and finally die and then he just gets kicked down down this like slope yeah, exactly. That his friend did just disrespected him like that to be like there's yeah. so, you know, it's like it, and it, it's really great also and, and important because the English have for a thousand plus years been trying to convince the world that they are the pinnacle of civilization. Yeah. You know, and when they are not and like uh, you know, brought ruin and misery to the planet. So it's like, you know, it's there was a funny moment where Eleanor and Henry are washing their hands before dinner. And I'm like, pretty sure no one was washing their hands. That was actually like a big problem that the English were so bad at (laughs) hygiene for so long. Like Europeans in general were disgusting and filthy. I mean, indigenous South Americans had to teach Christopher Columbus how to wash his hands before handling food. You know, it's like, you know, indigenous people were teaching the pilgrims how to bathe themselves, you know, and it's like. You know, but they're, the, they're the civilized ones. Yeah, yeah, you know, the English are so civilized. They're so superior. And they are the ultimate gentle mm-hmm. society. And it's like, no, you are a plague upon the planet, my guy. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is, uh, it's towards the end when uh, Henry says, he's like, I, I could have conquered Europe. 
but I had women in my life. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh my god, like he's. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's Shut the problem the that he up. finds. <laughs> it's like yeah. shit, man. Yeah, exactly. See, these these patriarchal men will just turn around and blame women for being like, you know, damn these women for being human beings with wants and needs and desires and feelings of their own. How, you know, I would be fine and I everything would have been great if like women had just been chattel, you know, and it's like or yeah. it's like, yeah, they just hate women. This is like the deep misogyny of their patriarchal culture. Yeah. Well, and then he even says, he's like, I'm not taking the blame for anything. Like, this is all on on everyone else because he has his little plan figured out. He has what he could because he's king and that's what what he says goes. So he says, I'm not taking the blame. This is all on you. You caused this mess. I'm just trying to do what I think is right. Yeah. And he's but then he's all fucked up, too. Yeah, he's trash. Everyone's he's trash. trash, except maybe <laughs> Alice. I, I, I think she's the most are the one you can kind of relate to. She's probably the most realistic one. But then there's even those moments too, where she's like, uh, no, I'm not going to marry Richard. If I can't have, if I can't be with you, then I won't be with anyone. And so there's a bit of that kind of elitism in there as well. Even though she is the more realistic, like, Hey, even if we have kids, they're going to get murdered. Like I, I'm not getting out of this. Yeah. She has zero agency and is doing her best. You know, and, and that is, and that's some, you know, that's something to be said, but yeah. So she's also a noble and kind of in this aristocratic mindset as well. Yeah. She's not, she's, uh, she's clearly not really doing much to set herself up or get herself any kind of independent power. Actually in house of the dragon, there's a moment like that where like queen Allison or what I forget the queen anyway is talking to one of the Targaryens or whatever. And she's just like, you've had all these years as queen to be setting up your own power and you have it. All you've been doing Mm -hmm. is living through your son. And it's like, you know, Alice has, Alice is so devoted and, and as like thrown all of her eggs into Henry's basket that she's not gotten anything going for herself. And she needs to do that. She needs, you know, she needs to start, uh, you know, she needs to start getting some guards on her side. She needs to start winning over some of Henry's men, yeah. you know, and needs to, you know, she needs an exit plan and she needs to start making, you know, she needs to start being Eleanor of Aquitaine a little bit. She should have. Yeah. And it's like, I hate to say that because it's like victim blaming. Right. But and, it's like, and she's not, not the best role model either. No, but at the same time, it's, it's sort of like, you know. Alice, you're 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 choosing to put all your eggs in the Henry basket, and that mm-hmm. is not going to pay off for you. You're going to have to marry eventually. So it's sort yeah. of like she has this really great realistic view, but she still totally deluded herself into thinking that somehow if she just stays by Henry, she'll be okay. But it's like even yeah. if she even if you don't marry Alice, what happens when Henry dies? Hmm? Right, then they'll do something to you. They'll just marry you to Spain or some shit. Yeah, it'll be some other deal for for land or something. Yeah. It's like yeah. she's she's not accepted the truth of the situation, and and that sometimes like kind of makes her annoying. But it's not her fault. If I, of yeah. anyone in this movie, she is the like most sympathetic. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, um, the the most embodiment of 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 how she is embedded in multiple ways with Henry is that scene after Henry kind of freaks out and she's laying by the fire and she's like warming some, some wine for him. And she's like, Oh, this is Henry's favorite. 
Yeah. Like she's waiting to comfort him because he he had a hard time. Yeah. Not her. That's all she has to do. She doesn't have anything else to do but to make him to spice him some old wine. You know, that's like literally all she has to do. It's so sad. I know. And then and and when Eleanor comes in in that scene and 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 Alice breaks down, I'm pretty sure when Alice breaks down in Eleanor's arms, she says in French, I want my mother. Hmm. I think that's what she says. And Eleanor's like, oh, no, my dear, my darling. And they um, have I could be wrong moment. if a listener can correct me on that. But, I yeah. mean, that's where she's at. Uh, Alice is completely done. She's so distraught that she even falls into the arms of Eleanor. Yeah. Wow. Right. Uh, it's such a good movie. I'm, I um, I could talk for a long, long uh, I'll. I'll more time about this because there's so many more layers to this and, and getting into like the production of it and the, the writing and everything. Um, but um, I want to say thank you for, for recommending this. This is a great film. Um, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I think it's good at this time of year. Um, it's an opportunity to like explore different holiday stories because it's like there's, yeah. there are Christmas movies and there are movies where like Christmas is like the inciting incident. Right. Right. Where it's like, you know, people are being brought together because of Christmas, you know, or like the, the you know, it's like Die Hard is like that. Yep. It's, situa- <laughs> it's situationally Christmas. That's how they got everyone into Nakatomi Plaza for a party and how they got John McClane out from New York. Like, it's how they got yep. everyone into the building was Christmas. And and for this one, too, it's like they, it's the same they, thing. <laughs> they got everybody together for a Christmas court. That's how they were able to set this up. And and and, and I think that that is a really fun way to kind of diversify your Christmas to mix it up and to think yeah. about some other things, you know, cause it's like, I can get kind of burnt out on like elf, you know, right? and, that, like, and, and all, all these vibe. really sweet family movies that are just sort of like, everything's great. Everything's fine. Whereas I'm kind of just like, you know, the, you know, winter is rough and life is rough and the world is rough today that it's like, I think it's, it can be good to be like, damn, that was a hard one. That was hard work. <laughs> Yeah, this is a bit cathartic. Yeah, as you, as you go through it, you're, as all the hatred and relating to your own family issues and just kind of have, like the ups and downs. This is a this is a cathartic film for me. Yeah, it's a gauntlet. It's an endurance test. You know, it's like yeah. it's two hours and fifteen minutes or something like that, which is pretty yep. long for a movie at that time. Very unusual to have a movie that long in 1968 because it meant you could you could run fewer. Uh, showings at the theater so it was not cost effective and yet and yet that they still did it really long because it needs to be that long it needs to be grueling you need to be exhausted (laughs) after this movie and i love that it feels so good i've like watched it twice since we decided to do this and and i'm i'm hoping i'll watch it again with my family um because my dad likes this movie too and we we get into it and he's like no one wants to watch these like fucked up christmas movies and i'm like i do hell yeah yeah (laughs) It's so good. You want another uh, one? Carol. Carol's another grueling, okay. um, uh, sad type of Christmas movie, but good and queer. So highly recommend that. But yeah, The Lion nice. and Winter. Everybody, uh, I, hopefully the people who are listening to this did in fact watch the movie. But uh, yeah, yes. it's it's it, add it to the list occasionally. It, it'll really it'll really mix things up, especially if you're watching movies with family. Um, I, yeah. I think that this is a good way to like, you know, to, to inject some interesting stuff. Cause I like, you know, I've talked to people where they're, 
uh, where it's like it's over the holidays and I'll get like a message or a text from somebody that's like I'm with my family and it's super boring. <laughs> Everything's really, really boring and we're doing all the same shit over again and no one has anything different to say. And I'm like, I don't know, pick a Spice fucked up. up movie. Pick a fuck, <laughs> watch this fucked up movie with your family and and see what happens, you know, and yeah. and uh, and and go deep. Yeah, it, it's it's rated PG, so with all the murder and intrigue and backstabbing, it's good for the whole family. It's good, you know, and all, syphilis <laughs> references and all the pedophilia and the emotional yeah. incest, you know. Bestiality, yeah. Parental guidance, that's all just, you need, you know. Just some guidance. I'm sure you're going to show this to your kids tomorrow, right? They're oh, just, God, they would watch the first five minutes and be like, I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. this is just talking. It's just talking for, it's for just two hours. just talking yeah. i mean there are like a there's like a you know there's the joust and then there's a random battle on the beach and then yeah and then there's like a, a knife fight uh so it's like there are a few but men like they're very withholding with any kind of like intense action yeah it's all talking it's all talking well yeah because it, it's all a stage play it's it's just all, yeah. all talking and I love that. I, but I it's it so is good. so refreshing. It's so it's refreshing so and so hard and I it, I you just need a nap after. You do. Get so drink some like brandy wine, warm by the fire, watch yep. this movie and then just have a good nap afterwards. Yeah, seriously, everyone just pass out and then get up <laughs> and be like Jesus. You know? And we'll we'll do this uh, again for Easter. It's yeah, great. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to see if I can like get my family to watch it and be like you guys want to watch this fucked up movie. Come on, it'll be great. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Um, thank you, Stephanie, for doing this. I, I'm sure I will have you back. Actually, I think at this point you're just telling me what films to watch, and I am I am here for it. Yeah, okay I don't know. I just was just like, oh, hey, have you seen this movie? And then you said no. I was just like, I was just curious because you know we talk about movies, and I was just curious yeah. if you'd seen it. And then you said no, and I was like, oh shit. Okay, well then this we're is doing a, this. This is a podcast movie then. <laughs> Basically, if I find out you haven't seen the movie, I'm like, oh well, you know what that yeah. means. Near Trek oh, Movie Club, it. my guy. Oh, fuck yeah. And I I do have to kind of knock myself down a little bit. For as much as like a movie buff as I thought I was, and like, oh, I've seen all these Academy Award winning movies. Like, I had never seen Sunset Boulevard. I had not seen this. And I'm like, I, I need to up my game a little bit here. Just to, <laughs> I mean, just, just to compete with Stephanie. There are just so many movies. It's just, so, there, there are so many movies to keep up with. So, you know, no worries. Don't feel bad. There's, <laughs> there's like lots of movies that I just like still haven't seen to this day. And don't care to and it's just like whatever that's it's fair. fine i that's still haven't fair. seen willow people are like excuse me <gasps> i love willow. i'm like i know i'm the worst oh so much i, ha- I, I love know. it i know so good i watch it <laughs> do it um okay where can people find you online and then tell us a little bit about your own podcast uh okay i will uh you can find my fiction i'm a writer you can find some of my fiction some information about me as well as my film databases i have a film noir database and a horror movie database uh on stephanieed.com you can find me on tiktok at stephanieed where i do some star trek noir movie author content and then you can find me on twitter and instagram at stephanie j ed and as for my podcast i am on a podcast called the acting captain podcast with five other amazing brilliant discourse trek talkers uh and we just recorded an episode about the about holiday feeling episodes yeah we were just like what kind of episodes put you in the holiday spirit and it was a very fun episode so go check out the acting captain podcast we're gonna have some really good episodes coming out soon 
That's true. And I, because I know when this is coming out, I think we've got a few surprises in for Acting Captain. Maybe some yeah, special I'm, guests coming up. I'm not going to spoil it yet because, you know, there's you don't want to like, you know, I don't want to jinx it. Yes. But there's, not- I, I can guarantee one. I can't guarantee the other. But I, but yeah. you've got some cool stuff coming up. Yeah, we do have some cool stuff coming. The Acting Captain podcast is going pretty great. We are we also do away missions, which is yes. like a, if there are only like a few of us available or if we have a special guest, we talk about some specific things. At some point, um, we did an away mission on Tasha Yar, so that'll come out uh, eventually. But yeah, yeah. It, the Acting Captain podcast has just been progressing lovely. So thank you for hosting us. We really enjoy oh, doing it. Of course. I uh, It's a better show than... Than our other one, so I I enjoyed it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Uh, but go go check it out. Go to thenerdtrek.com where you can learn about all of our podcasts. There's merch. You can learn about all the different hosts. Um, but that's it. Yeah, go enjoy a movie. Sense uh, movie recommendations into us. I will literally watch anything. I don't care. Um, but that's it for for this one. Uh, enjoy the holidays and enjoy the show. <laughs>